Holy God, speak to us what has been told from the beginning, your word that is the foundation of the world. Amen. So uh, we have a big event coming this afternoon called the Super Bowl. And when I think of, uh, I guess it's not Super Bowl in particular, but football in general, um, growing up at the Wells home, there were a number of uh, things that come to mind, things that we did often. We'd make these nachos, and at halftime, everyone would have a job to do on the nachos to get those going. Um, I remember not being able to... I guess I was able. I would stand for the entire game. We'd stand for the entire game. My dad was just crazy about the Giants. And um, there was a rule in our house that wasn't just for Sundays. It was year-round. If there was a clean Giants glass in the cupboard, you had to use that first. You could not use other glasses unless <laughs> all the Giants ones were dirty. And uh, But what happens is with these kind of moments, it, it brings to mind certain uh, memories um, of things that we did, the smell of certain foods, um, what we would listen, what we'd hear, you know, sounds, all those things bring back memories. Um, and as we talk about, uh, and, and you, you probably have your own that are coming to mind right now, watching football, or maybe it wasn't football, maybe it was something else. Um, Jesus is meeting with his disciples. Um, it's hard to tell here if it's just the four of them that he has so far. Or if it's a crowd, or maybe he's talking to his four, but the crowds are listening on. But he is um, telling them about the kingdom. He has already mentioned that the kingdom of God is at hand. He has mentioned a passage from Isaiah which talks about uh, a light in a dark place. A light going out to um, the rest of the world. And so when you put these things together, this kingdom of heaven... And him talking about the law in the beginning in this kingdom. Uh, this is bringing up for his listeners, a primary, primarily Jewish crowd, um, this idea of homecoming. We've talked about this, this idea of return. We're going to go home. And what that means is that there's certain customs, there's certain routines um, that are familiar. Uh, sights, sounds, smells, um, uh, this idea of returning back to unhindered worship uh, without the Roman Empire looking over their shoulder. And what are the smells of the food and the sounds of the crowd as they make their way uh, to worship in the temple? Um, the customs that they would uh, do. And I'm sure that as he's teaching this, these are the sort of the thoughts that come to mind. Like, we're going back. We, we are now, it's, it's homecoming, and we are going back, and things will be reestablished. And there's a lot of this cultural routine and cultural norms that they're expecting. And as this sermon progresses, um, if they're listening carefully, um, which may not be the case, I, I, I've experienced this many times uh, in ministry where you're trying to teach something and people nod and say, yeah, I get it. And then it's like three and a half years. They're like, oh, now I get it. You know? And so maybe that's happening with the disciples. I don't know, uh, but he's talking about a kingdom and he's presenting a vision that is radically different than these ideas that are tied to their cultural routines and their cultural norms. It's not really about the sights and smells of 
what they do as a people group. Um, it's about a bigger vision than that. And it goes a bit deeper into the heart, which is really cool. This is a sermon for another time. But what that means is that all those cultural norms can be incorporated into the kingdom. Um, but his disciples are probably thinking, oh, this is what we're finally going to we're going to go. It's, it's a Super Bowl Sunday. We know what that means. We know what the sights are. We know what the smells are. We know what the sounds are. We know what the routines are. And he's presenting something to them which is very, very different and radically different. Um, and there's this promise of blessing and reward for those who accept this invitation and this challenge to live in this kingdom. Um, the promise is human flourishing, thriving. I just asked Elijah today, how you guys doing? Like, surviving, not thriving. You know, and that's sort of the mantra these days, this year. Surviving, not thriving. I said, yeah, I have moments where I feel like everything's falling apart, and I have moments where I feel like there's this profound insight into what I need to change to move forward. Um, but what Jesus is promising is human flourishing. This is what the kingdom looks like. And it is a place where God is king, God rules, uh, but it's not tied to those cultural norms that probably a lot of his hearers were expecting. And so there takes some a little bit of deconstructing and rethinking um, to accept this. Um, <clears throat> and so as we break down, we're, we're in week five. We have one more week, one more section of the sermon. He begins with this vision, right? Blessed, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Uh, blessed are meek, they shall inherit the earth. And you have this idea of um, what this living out of faith looks like and this promise of comfort, promise of, uh, you know, the earth, inherit the earth. And, uh, you know, there's a sort of a promise or a reward tied to that. And so he begins with this, you know, the, the Beatitudes, uh, basic vision. Um, he moves on into Jewish law. And apparently, you know, I, not apparently, but my, my guess is that at this point with this crowd who's expecting a return to cultural norms. They're thinking, all right, finally, we get to the, you know, we get to the heart of what it means to be Jewish in this world, and uh, we're talking about the law. We're talking about scripture. And he goes on, and he goes a little bit further than what they were probably used to hearing or expected to hear. It's more than just following the rules. Uh, it's not about not murdering someone. It's about loving someone. It's about not calling people a fool. Um, it's about no lust in our hearts, um, not seeking revenge, those sort of things. And that might have been the clue that, okay, this is going a different, this sermon's going a different way than we thought. Um, then he moves on to uh, not being recognized by others. You know, spiritual practice, um, even out in the streets, was very common, um, much more common than what, what we see here. Uh, and something very familiar. He's saying, you know, don't do this for recognition by others. And then he goes and talk, talking about resources, the world's resources. Don't worry if you have enough. Don't worry about these things. And so he's going through all these sections and, and kind of leading them on to this radical revisioning of what this kingdom looks like. And over and over and over, we see this kind of recurring theme, like a chorus. We just sang a couple songs of choruses. You know, we come back to them. They're familiar. And what's familiar in this, which is beautiful, absolutely beautiful, 
is that God sees, God loves, and God gives. He doesn't put it in such a pithy way, but um, he does talk about God seeing you. God will see your religious practice. Don't worry about what others think. Um, likewise, God sees in our hearts when we're angry. Um, but he constantly talks about God as this heavenly parent, this ideal parent. God's a father who loves. And so God loves, God sees, and then God gives. And I think sometimes this makes us nervous, this idea of reward. You know, like, we're not doing this for a reward. We're going to rise above that. But that's what he says. I mean, that's, that's what Jesus teaches, is that as we seek God and we give ourselves to this, that God sees it, God wants to give back. And God wants to, um, in a sense, reward that sort of devotion and that faithfulness. Um, <clears throat> and one of the biggest things that I've been, uh, it's, it's the drum I've been beating every single week, is that we do have to check ourselves. We're trying to think about what our attitudes towards others are and what our attitudes towards the things of life are. Um, but all of this is in relation. It all serves to uh, develop this community, this relationship with one another. So uh, sometimes we turn this into such a personal thing that it has no effect on the people around us, the neighborhood around us, the, the church community around us. But the idea about not valuing things and not worrying about having enough stuff is so that our relationships are free to serve and love Amen. and give to Amen. one another generously rather than trying to hoard. Um, and so... We can't just boil this down to this personal walk and how we are in our heart with God because it has to do with our heart and our attitude towards God affects how this community functions Amen. and loves one another. Um, and so that's, what I, that's one thing I really want us uh, to come away with. So one of the questions, you know, we, we get to a point where um, we're now asking the question, so how does this work? So what does this look like? Okay, so... If we have um, love your enemies yeah. and we have a nation and there's an uh, issue with immigrants on the border, how do we work that out um, uh, so that people are being treated fairly and we're being generous to those who have needs, but we're also taking care of the people inside? You know, how do we do that? Um, how do we, if... if uh, Possessions, and we are going to have issues with possessions. We need to spend money, and we need to take care of things that we have. How? Wh where's that line? I think all of us wrestle with this. Like, um, I got a bonus. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to? Do we serve? Do we fix the house? The house is broken. You know, if you have an old house, you don't have to say the steps are broken. You just say the house is broken because there's like ten things you could probably be doing. Um, and we wrestle with how do we navigate um, doing, you know, living this out because he's giving us principles. He's not stepping into each situation and saying, here, do this, do that, do that. And so we're at that point where he addresses that. OK, and it has to do with evaluating and bringing judgment on these things. How do we work through evaluating? How do we live this out? Um, and as always, with all of this, he's calling us to a greater righteousness. Um, 
He's been talking about a greater righteousness than the law, a greater righteousness than spiritual practice and spending our resources. And now he's talking about evaluating. That's what this section is all about. How do we make judgments on what to do? Um, and it's going to be frustrating. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not going to give us details. He's going to give us more principles. But they're awesome. They're so good. And so we, we enter into the section on how to evaluate properly. And we know this passage. In fact, everyone knows this passage, I think, because it gets quoted so often. And most of the time when I hear it quoted, it's by people that don't really go to church or understand what Christianity is all about, I think. And so we have, he goes into the section, chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Now, we've heard this all the time, right, with people. Do not judge. Doesn't the Bible teach that? Well, sort of. (laughs) Sort of. He goes on in a few verses later to talk about casting judgment. (laughs) So a couple things about judgment before we move on. Number one, the sum, total, and all teaching of the Bible has not come down to this one verse. Okay? We can't take this and single it out. Um, The irony of this is that in this section, he is teaching us how to evaluate and to make judgment on things. That's what's funny when that gets quoted when I've heard it. You know, do not judge. The other thing is that judgment is, I like the term evaluating a bit better because when we hear the term judgment, it, it, it seems to carry this sense of condemnation. When we say, don't judge me, we're not saying don't evaluate what I do. We're saying don't condemn me in our culture. Um, a better term to think about would be, um, in English, would be judge for yourself. Right? Take a sip of the soup. Tell me if we need more uh, salt. Is it salty enough? Is it too salty? Judge for yourself. When we hear it in that framework, is more like what Jesus is saying here. What he means is evaluate it. Think about it. Think about what you know, you're tasting. Think about what you're seeing. Think about what all this stuff. And so we need to drop that sort of negative connotation. And number two, this is, I guess, more for people outside the church, is that uh, all of Jesus' teaching doesn't come down to this one statement, especially when it's pulled out of context. So he says, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. Here's, here's the principle. That the manner in which you evaluate situations, particularly people, is what will come back to you. And this is something we've seen all, you know, we see this all throughout Jesus' teaching. You, know, you, you, you reap what you sow. You have the story of the um, unmerciful servant. So this guy, he owes a debt to the governor or the king or whoever, someone with power. And this person looks at this guy and sees this great debt and says, you know what, we're going to forgive that. And the guy turns around and finds a friend who owes him a little bit of money. And he holds him to it. I'm going to call the authorities if you don't pay me this, this amount. The guy in power finds out that this guy did that after forgiving him his great debt. 
and calls him back in and says, now you're going to have to pay it. Okay? So it's, there's this sense in which the way we treat one another will come back to us. Amen. We will experience that same principle. This isn't, I don't think I'm teaching you guys anything new. I think we understand. And this is one of the things about this passage I felt the whole time is that we get this stuff. Um, but it's worth reminding ourselves that when we evaluate a situation, when we're trying to figure out where is that line, where, if we're going to love someone who has brought harm on the community and there's legal action to take, we enter into this period of evaluation. And Jesus is saying the method and the process and the way in which you approach this is the way you will be evaluated as well. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So the way you choose to be in this world, in this kingdom, will determine your experience in the world, in this kingdom. Um, <clears throat> so that's the basic principle. All right? So how do we evaluate? Okay, first of all, when we're entering the situation, just, you know, think about yourself and what, the way you would want to be treated. And then he goes on and breaks it down a little bit. And he says, and he gets a little bit humorous here. Um, Jesus was a carpenter. He's using carpentry terms here. Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. He's, this is humorous. It doesn't always come across that way on the page, but he's using humor. And humor is something which is interesting when you use it because if someone doesn't get the joke, you know, it's one of those things where if you say something funny, you want to say something that people get. And so he's doing something where people be like, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense. But John told a joke this morning, which I didn't get, but it took me a while. <laughs> we were trading dad jokes, and it did kind of go over my head a little bit for a second. John, John's dad jokes are operating on a level that's far above my own. Um, <clears throat> so first, you know, when we talk about not judging and judging and the standards, he's saying, here's, here's our first step. You gotta look at yourself. You gotta look critically at yourself. Right? And oftentimes, you know, the issues we're dealing with might be, might be bigger than we originally allow that they are. You know, it's a law. Like, okay, just take a moment and look at yourself before we enter into this evaluation of how do we love? How do we deal with justice? How do we navigate stuff versus people and all that. Look at, look at the log in your own eye. But then he goes on and gives us another funny saying. says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Uh, and so now we are entering into a situation where he is evaluating other people, which is why we can't just take do not judge out of context, because here he's calling on us not just to look at ourselves critically, but to look at the 
situation and the people around us critically. And I think the basic way to put this is that, you know, there are some people who are not going to see and understand what kingdom living looks like. Don't waste your time. <laughs> Don't, I'm, I'm sorry, I keep laughing. Don't waste your time. Just let it go. I wish people would do that more. No kidding. <laughs> Just let it go. Just let it go. And uh, I saw something on, online this week, and it was from some Christians who I don't really know really well, but it was entering into this long theological discussion about free will and sovereignty. And I thought, I don't really think Facebook is the place to... <laughs> I think you're throwing your pearls out there. Um, this is just not the place. All the comments that go down in just about everything uh, are a big waste of time when it comes to debate and discussion, I think. I think it's great to put in there, love the picture, family looks great, great picture. You know, that's great stuff. But... Entering into, I mean, the way it's all set up is it crops your comments anyway. You have to click, an extra click to get down to see more. I don't know why. Don't see more. Just keep scrolling till you find something worth looking at. Okay. Yeah. So the, the issue is judging. Judging uh, in a complete sense, like a judge, uh, like evaluating. When we're judging others, when we're judging situations, Look critically at yourself and look critically at those around you. Pretty simple. He goes on and says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Your parents, you parents out there, if your children ask for a loaf of bread... Do you give them a stone? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? And so I love this. He says, keep on asking, keep on seeking. And this, and this is where we get frustrated. Because we want to know how to deal with immigration in a just way. We want to know how to balance our budget in a way that's honoring to God and to people and takes care of our needs. And we want specifics. But Jesus doesn't give us specifics. Here's what he says. Go to God with this. Go into prayer with this. And that's what I thought about that discussion I saw online about this big, heavy theological talk. It was so detailed. I thought, well, this is great, man. You don't have to go to God for anything because these guys have it all figured out. The whole detail on God's sovereignty and human will is all figured out. And here's the thing is that when we get like that, I mean, those are important discussions. Don't get me wrong, but not on Facebook. Not on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Not on Facebook. I'm sorry. Not on Facebook. And sometimes our theology, we put so much energy into it that we are left in a position where we do not need 
to go to God because we got it all figured out. See, what Jesus is saying here is that there is a relationship between our creator and ourselves, right? And he directs us there. And we think, I, can you just tell me what to do on this issue? Can you tell me how to deal with family in this issue? How do we navigate this? And I love it because he points us to relationship. Go ask your creator who loves you so much. And you'll, be, you'll receive. Keep on. And, and the emphasis here is not on your persistence or your skill in prayer. The emphasis is on the loving father. And there we have the theme come back once again. You know how good parents are? God is more than that. Amen. God is more. This whole, the whole thing has this theme. God is greater. God is more. If you think you understand what love is from great parents, you're really going to be surprised when you meet your creator. Amen. God loves. God loves. God gives. God sees. Go to God. And it points us to this mystery. It points us into this, and we don't like that. When will I get an answer? Don't know. What will it look like? Don't know. How will I know it? Don't know. And we, we miss that sometimes. That conversation I saw online missed that whole thing. And I thought, geez, why don't you just spend time with God instead of trying to figure it all out in our heads? All right. Figuring things out is good, too. Um, but Jesus directs us to ask, to seek, and you will find. And then you have that recurring theme over and over and over. How much more, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask? And so when we're talking about evaluating situations, Evaluating our situations with people in particular is what he's talking about here. Uh, and I've heard a lot about this lately. I mean, just nationally with, you know, and the votes we've had to do, the vaccine was highly debated, you know, mass, no mass, highly debated. Uh, conspiracy theories, uh, racism, immigration, and a lot of these issues, these issues dividing families. He's given us all these incredible principles. Love, love, love. Don't treasure people. Don't treasure things over people. How do we do it? He gives us an answer. When you're evaluating, check yourself. Check others. Don't waste your time casting your pearls before swine. I think, okay, that's kind of general. All right, good. That's general. Go to your Father in prayer. Amen. Go to your Creator in prayer. And he, and God will give. God will give. So these circling themes that come back over and over. And I want us to focus on that, how great God is. And I think that's part of the radical thing. He's leading them into a kingdom that doesn't look like what they expected. And he's trying to get this theme stuck in our heads like a broken record. God loves you. God sees you. God gives. God sees you, God loves you, God gives. God is greater, far greater than. Because that's the place where we're going to feel equipped and safe. That's where we're going to find answers in prayer. 
sometimes longer, sometimes shorter than we expect. Um, but that is where we're going to find that kingdom. That's where we're going to find that love. That's where we're going to find the strength and the power to do these things which seem so difficult. Amen. God gives greater. What God gives is greater than your perceived cost in this. And it does cost us a lot. <clears throat> um, and then he wraps it up. And this comes right out of the Hebrew Bible, basically. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Amen. Love God and love people. Amen. Love God and love people. Simple. Yeah, and that's his wrapping up statement. Do not judge starts it off or wrapping up start. <laughs> Summarizing start, summarizing end. Do to others what we'd like them to do to you. Okay. That's it. Amen. I'm not going to try to fancy it up anymore. It's incredible stuff. And it's a good reminder that God loves us. God wants to be with us. Go to God in prayer. Amen. So let's bring the band back up here. And we are at, uh, yeah. What, where are we at, Jay, with numbers? 47 total? Total. Okay. So if uh, you'd like to uh, get your kids and bring them on up here for worship, we have enough room for that. Um, it might be worth checking because Lori might want you to do that, and she might. they might be fine. I think last time there were kids that stayed down there and did some coloring, but if you uh, want to do that, go ahead and get them. I'm going to pray over us before uh, you leave, though. Um, and this week I thought I... I I'm just going to read Paul's words for prayer. This is out of Ephesians 3. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.